Okay, here's the deal. There's a marshmallow for you. You can either wait, and I'll have another marshmallow for you, or you can eat it now, and then you only get one. And when I come back, I'll give you two, okay? enjoyed that adult spoof of that old children's experiment. Maybe, maybe you're not a speed reader and couldn't read all that at the beginning, but there was a study in the 60s where they would put children, you know, in a room with a marshmallow, and they uh, had 20 minutes, and if they could make it through the 20 minutes without eating the marshmallow, they got the second marshmallow. And it was a fascinating study out in California that found out that children who didn't eat the first marshmallow, who waited for the second were better adjusted, they would end up making better grades, um, they were more dependent, dependable, and, and again, the study was done in the early 60s, they sort of traced them through life, and they were just more successful, period, because they, they learned to practice what we call delayed gratification. And um, today, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, I want you to see this quotation, I love this quotation, from Gordon Hinckley. The cause of most of man's unhappiness 
is sacrificing what we want most for we want now. What we want most for what we want now. Repeat that with me. What we want most for what we want now. That's a pretty great statement there. You, you might even change the word unhappiness is the cause of most of our failures is that we go after what I want right now in the moment. We call that instant gratification. When I need to wait for the moment when I can really truly be blessed. Many of us have probably experienced that already in the new year. You've probably made some resolutions. Maybe you decided that you wanted to, to get up 30 minutes early and have a quiet time every day with the Lord. But already here on January the 24th, you started hitting the snooze button. And you've missed that time. Or maybe you were going to work on your finances. And, and you were going to stop spending money you didn't need to spend. And yet you, um, you let yourself walk the mall or walk, walk in a store and buy things you didn't need. Maybe yours was exercise. And you were going to exercise every day. But it got a lot easier just to sit there and watch Sports Center and let other people exercise for you. Or maybe it was about food. And you were going to cut back. My, my New, Year, New Year's resolution was to stop eating sweets. That was my, you know, and, and again, maybe one day you drove down the highway and you saw the, the hot now donut light. And you couldn't stop. I'll tell you when I got messed up. I got messed up last Sunday night at Life Group. We have some great cooks in our group. And Lil Martin had made this amazing cake. And actually, when she brought it in, she said, this is preacher's cake. Well, hey, how can I turn down preacher's cake, right? I mean, it was really moist, had a lot of icing, and I just blew it. I ate it. And, uh, you know, I felt pretty bad about it. And then I felt even worse when Lil told me what preacher's cake was. It was a cake that never got done. (laughs) That was a little bit offensive to me, all right? Maybe you're saying amen this morning. But we've all had that moment where the instant overcame what we really wanted. We really wanted to lose that weight. We really wanted to be in shape. We really wanted to start saving for retirement. We wanted to have good time with the Lord. But the instant overcame the delay. And today we're going to look at a Bible character as we keep on walking through Hebrews 11. That just hit me the more I read this, that he practiced delayed gratification. It's Moses. Last week we looked at Abraham. And Abraham was known for waiting on the Lord. But really, God put Abraham in some positions where he just had to wait. Where he didn't understand. He had to wait. Now, when it comes to Moses, Moses makes some specific choices to wait, to delay. Just go with me to Hebrews 11. Let's go verse by verse on the section about Moses. Verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You understand the situation, don't you hear? God's people are in slavery. The king has commanded that all the children are to be killed. So they they hide him in the house. Historically, we know that, that what Pharaoh would do is he would send mothers with their children into the Jewish ladies' houses, pinch their children to cry because they thought it might make the Jewish children cry. But they're willing to back up and hide their child. And you, you know, as the story continues, eventually she has to give up her child. 
I mean, she makes a little ark and floats him down. And we know the story that Pharaoh's daughter picks him up. But can you imagine being Jochebed, Moses' mother, and doing that? I just want to stop here and make sort of a sidelight point here today. Is here's a parent that's exercising delayed gratification. You think it feels right to hide your baby? You think it feels right to put your baby on a little bitty boat and float it down the river not exactly knowing what's going on? It couldn't feel right. But she knew it was the best thing for Moses. And, and I want to challenge us as parents. I think one of our problems in parenting is that we are so into instant gratification as parents. It feels right to always dote on your child. It feels right to give them everything they want. It feels right, honestly, not to discipline them. It feels right. But it's more about my gratification than what's best for the long-term well-being of the child. You know, I see a lot of us as parents that way. Let me just, just say something for a moment. That there, there are people that don't want to host life group in their home because they're afraid of what your children may do. And now that we're old enough and our kids have grown, I can remember days where we would be in life group and, you know, kids out playing and tearing all our kids' toys up, you know, and parents standing at the window watching and doing nothing. Again, it feels good as a parent to only give out what we look at as love, probably not really love. But it's not the right thing to do. So Moses has this even in his parents. Now let's go to the next verse and watch Moses begin to practice this. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, worldly wise, that's a dumb choice. I mean, many of us, if we know somebody important, we just even like to drop their name in a conversation. Moses has got the choice of being associated with his adoptive family, which is Pharaoh, who's in complete power, and his biological family, who's in complete trouble. And how easy to justify, for survival's sake, that, that I'm going I'm to associate and use the name of Pharaoh. And yet he's willing to put that off. And then look at verse 25. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Literally, he chose to have a bad time with God's people rather than the easy life of pleasure. Again, it's delayed gratification. Right now, Moses, in front of you, you've been blessed to have all the pleasure you want. I mean, let yourself be known as an Egyptian, associate with Pharaoh's family. Don't dare let anybody know that you're Jewish. This can cut out all the fun. But Moses couldn't do that. And then look at this interesting verse, verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Isn't that interesting? How does Christ enter, on the, enter this? You think Moses knew about Christ? I don't know. The Bible says that Moses talked to God as a man talks face to face with his friend. Maybe God the Father did what most of us do. He liked talking about his child. Maybe he had told Moses about Jesus. Maybe this is just a, an idea that Moses and Christ's life are rather parallel. That, that Moses is willing to undergo mistreatment for the sake of God. And, and so is Christ. 
We do have this awesome scene in Luke chapter 9 of the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus is getting close to the cross and Jesus needs a pep rally. And God sends, guess who? Moses and Elijah to cheer him up in that great transfiguration. So there's that connection between Jesus. And what's the writer of Hebrews trying to say? To these young Jewish Christians who are beginning to undergo persecution, who life doesn't look so fun right now as when they first became Christians. He's saying, you've got two great examples here of people that were willing to delay their gratification who didn't stop at Krispy Kreme because they wanted something more. And remember that. Well, let's go to verse, um, verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. It's interesting through these verses how much it emphasizes that neither Moses' parents nor Moses did what they did just out of fear of man. Now, in in this verse, you would think, this is when Moses flees, after he's made that mistake, again, we're thanking God for the writer of Hebrews because he edits out the mistakes. Moses has killed an Egyptian, and Moses flees. And he flees and stays in Midian for 40 years. And, and, And looking back, God says, Moses didn't do that just because he was scared of man. Moses did that because he respected God. And if you want to look at the life of Moses, talk about delayed gratification, it was those 40 years in the wilderness that molded his character and his relationship with God. It's quite a story. Now look with me just for a moment. And all the things that Moses was willing to delay to follow God. Look at this. He, he delayed position. He delayed power. I mean, he's in the ultimate position of security. He's in the position to actually be in line to be the next Pharaoh. And he gives that up. He delays possessions. I mean, he, he, this, this guy is set up to be very, very wealthy. And in a materialistic country like we live in, possessions are very important to us, aren't they? Latest Barner research says this. Among people in America. 70% of Americans say it's very important to have a comfortable lifestyle. Only 56% say it's very important to make a difference in their life, in someone else's life. And only 45% of Americans today would say it's very important to be active in church. We are more tied to our possessions than we are to the Lord. And that's why I love when we have people like Joey and Ann with us today. And, and, you know, they, Joey is just finishing his doctorate degree. He, he, he set, they were set up for a very comfortable life here. And yet to be able to, to, to move and leave family and friends and go to a country where you don't know the language and live in a completely different culture where I don't know if you've been reading the paper, is becoming more and more dangerous... Why? Why? Because there's something these two want more than the immediate. It's something they want more than just what would please you now. And then finally, I think to sum it all up, Moses delayed pleasure. And Moses is willing to say, okay, right now, I'm going to say no to this because I want something better. 
And then look at that list. That's a list of what almost everyone in America wants. It's a list of what motivates most of us one way or the other. Position and power and possessions and pleasure. But there's a line in these verses I really love that helps me so much. He says he gave up the fleeting pleasure of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Say that with me. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Don't you love that about God? What I love about the Bible is the Bible is so honest. God does not try to cover up that sinful behavior is pleasurable. It is. It wouldn't be temptation if it weren't (laughs) temptation. There's something a part of you that's, that's drawn to the immediate pleasure. And the Bible says even Jesus was tempted in all ways as he as he lived, as always as we are. And guys, what that says is, Jesus, some people would argue about this, but this is just the truth. Jesus was tempted. He didn't fall to it, but he was tempted. And guys, the Bible's honest enough to say to us today, is, uh, don't, don't act like, man, it's no fun to go out there and do what everybody else is doing, you know. It's no fun to go to the party. It's no fun to have the sex. It's no fun to look at the person. He's not trying to say that. He's saying there is pleasure. So God's, God's not trying to fool you. But we've got to pay close attention to what he says there. The pleasure is fleeting. You, you see, here, here, here's the choice that, choice that Moses is having to make and you and I are having to make. Are, are, are we going to have temporary pleasure or are we going to have eternal pleasure? You see, we, we, get, we can sell our soul for a couple moments of ecstasy and pleasure. We're part, where Moses is willing to say, no, I'm going to give these things up because I want to follow God. I mean, you think about so many sins that we get involved in. There is pleasure in knowing that juicy morsel about somebody and sharing it in gossip. It feels good at the moment that you know what your friend doesn't know about somebody else and you say it. It feels good to exaggerate and to lie about your own life, to get yourself out of trouble, or to even make yourself look better. Who can deny it feels good in the moment to have sex outside of marriage? Who can deny that the purchase of that material possession that you really can't afford, that allows you not to be able to help people the way God wants you to help people. The the moment of the purchase, it feels good. It feels good to sleep in in the morning when you ought to be at church. It feels good just to stay home tonight because it's cold outside and watch 60 Minutes or whatever you want to watch instead of going to that life group tonight. It feels good to take what is somebody else's that you don't have to earn. Talk about a culture that's into instant gratification. Think about what we've been doing the last few weeks about wanting to have just instant money. It feels good to go to the party and be drunk in the moment. It feels good to do the drugs and get the high. It feels good just to let your anger out and say, you know what, I just let it out. I say whatever I think, you know, and you let it out on somebody. And in the moment you feel like you vented in relief, And it's pleasurable in the moment. It's pleasurable to gossip, but in the long run you feel dirty. It feels nice to exaggerate who you are, but in the long run you know you're not truthful. 
It feels good to have the sex in a place that God has not approved of it. But in the long run, you're betraying the people you love or you will love. It feels good to make that purchase. But then when you can't pay the bills at the end of the month, it feels so awful. The moment of drunkenness is wonderful until you wake up the next day. The drugs give you a high and an escape. You may not get any other way. But in the long run, they destroy your life. And the anger that felt so good to vent begins to destroy you and the people around you. You see, the point that we're being made here is that sin, the pleasure of it, is short-lived and it's full of regret. And that's what we got to see. How did Moses see that? I'm going to give you two points about Moses that really helped me. How, how is Moses, in this amazing scene, able to delay gratification to please God? Let me say, first of all, first of all, Moses believed in a future reward. The Bible says he's looking ahead to his reward. And guys, this is the difference in people who practice instant gratification. This will destroy you in your marriage. It'll destroy you in your business. It'll destroy you spiritually. The, the adage in our culture, it feels good, do it. Just, just do what feels good right now. Because there's no area of life where you'll be successful. How is Moses able to overcome this? He is able to see into the future. And he knows about his reward. Now, all of us have read the Bible, or at least we've probably watched the movie, The Ten Commandments, right? Let me ask you a question. Does Moses get into the promised land? No, because of some of his mistakes. But, but here's, here's the truth is, Moses knows more about the promised land than about Canaan. And, and he knows the decisions he's making right now will lead him to an amazing future reward. There was a study done at the University of Washington studying why there are people who make more spur-of-the-moment decisions and instant gratification. What's the difference in them and the successful people who are able to practice delayed gratification? Here's what they came up with. People who practice delayed gratification are more able to imagine the future. They studied the part of the brain that imagines the future was more alive in them than the people who made the mistake of going for something in the split second. Guys, that's the key for us. If we want to turn down so much of what this world offers us and not get wrapped up in it, it's because we can imagine the future. That's what, it's sad as the decades go by that Christians talk less and less about heaven. As we become more and more comfortable in America, we sing, talk, pray less and less about heaven. And and what that has done to us is it's made us more susceptible for the instant gratification. So you want to be victorious? Be like Moses. He was able to imagine. Can you imagine what it would be to be in a place where you are fully present with God? Where not only is he perfect, but you've become perfect. A place where there's complete love, absolute security, amazing joy. Where you sit at the 
the banquet table of God and feast. I mean, heaven is described as an amazing party as much as anything else. Can you imagine that? If you can imagine that, then you're going to be able and I'm going to be able to say no to some of these things. So that's what Moses believed. But I also want you to see this morning what Moses received on the spot. What did Moses get even as he's avoiding some of sin's fleeting pleasure? Uh, Look at a couple things Moses received. Look at these verses. He was with God's people. That, that was Moses' choice. I choose to be with God's people instead of Pharaoh's people. You know what Moses experienced? He experienced community. And let me tell you this, guys. When we make our minds up to live in a way that's different than the world. Now, let, let's listen to me, guys. If all this is, is about you and I just sort of coming to church and being a little nicer than everybody else, not much. But if this is truly about us being like Jesus and giving and loving the way he did, then I'm telling you, it's going to bring us together in relationships. Why? Because I can't do this on my own. The pleasure of sin in the world, it, it's, it's, too, it's too challenging. It's too tempting. I've got to have you and you've got to have me. And Instead of being a disjointed group of people who happen to meet in the same building a couple times a week, we begin to be a community that's supporting each other. And I love this line. He saw him who is invisible. You know what happened to Moses in the middle of this that was worth, even in the moment, saying no to the temptations? He had closeness with God. I mean, listen to this next verse here. From Exodus 33, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of relationship with God? Where God speaks to you face to face? I don't think God stopped doing those things. He wants that with you in Christ. It's been fully restored. And my friends, as we stand up, to the fleeting pleasures of sin, and we support each other. Not only will we go close in community with one another, but your relationship with God will be radically changed. And no, you might miss out on the temporary high or the temporary excitement of your friends, but you will not miss out on the the long-term joy and closeness of walking with God. My friends, that's worth turning down the temporary things of this world. I loved a story Caleb was telling me earlier this week. I'm so glad his folks are here. Um, Caleb talked about growing up his house and they had curfews. And every year the curfew would go from 10 to 11. Finally, when you walked out, it would go 12. And during his teenage years, at one point his curfew was, was, was 10 p.m. All right? There's the bean dad sitting right there with him today, all right? 10 p.m. And Caleb was telling me, we were talking about this in staff this week. He was saying, you know, one night he decided, you know, none of his other friends had a 10 p.m. curfew. He decided just to stay out. So he stayed out to 12. Had a great time. Came home, though. Faced his dad. And what he saw is something he saw very few times in his life. He saw his daddy shed tears. 
And he said, I gave up what I wanted most was the respect and admiration of my daddy. I gave it up for two hours of fun. And guys, that's what so many of us are doing in life. We're giving up this relationship with God for a couple of moments of pleasure. And it's so deceiving. The world makes it look so good. The world doesn't tell you it's temporary. So, here's the question of the day. What do you want most? If this is all about giving up what you want now for what you want most, the challenge for you and I today is, what do you want most? If we can figure out what we want most, then we can figure out what we need to give up and what we need to take in. So I'm going to ask you, what do you want most? Let me tell you a good way to figure that out. What do you want people to say at your funeral? When a preacher's got to get up and preach your funeral, sometimes that is so tough. What, 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 do you, what, what do you want them to say? What do you want them to say about your life? What do you want most? Is it really going to be about that purchase you made? Is it really going to be about the party where you imbibed? Is it really going to be about having that power or that position? Is that really going to be what you want someone to stand up and say, man, he, man, I, sorry he neglected his family, but he became the top. Sorry he neglected God, but he made more money than anybody here. Sorry he wasn't active in church. We sure wish he had been. But, I mean, there were so many other pleasurable events to go to. Church got backed up to the background. I mean, what do you, what do you want to say? He, what do you want most? Because if we can figure out what we want most, we can say no to what we want right now. So dream about that. Too often we're like that child that dad takes to the store and the, the dad wants to... He really wants to buy them a bicycle. But they get to the toy store and the child keeps getting caught up in the things in the front. You know, the blowing bubbles, you know, the the matchbox car, the, the little tinker toys. The problem is the bicycle's in the back of the store. And the kid can't wait to get the good stuff. And so many of us are like that. We can't stick in there long enough to develop a relationship with God that may take years. We won't stick in there long enough for our marriage to get really good. We were a counselor when Stephanie and I were first married telling us most marriages don't really get good until about eight years. And yeah, I see so many of us, we can't wait it out to get to the good part. We can't wait it out to please God because we're so busy, unlike Moses and his parents, trying to please men around us. We can't say no to some purchases this week so that we can say yes to the mission contribution two weeks from now. We're like the child in the store. God's not trying to 
mess your life up, my friends. God's not trying to steal your joy. God wants to give you real joy. Now, maybe there's one of you here today saying, you know, buddy, this makes sense. This is why my life is a wreck right now, because I went for instant gratification. If I really be honest, that's the way I've lived my life, and that's why so many things in my life have not worked. I got you. I want you to look real quickly before we close at one of the next characters found in, in this list of people of faith. Look at this passage from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31. Look, look here with me. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. <laughs> this always sort of gets us, man. In this list of great people of faith, this woman shows up. Rahab, the harlot, we call her. Now, some people have tried, are so uncomfortable with this. Some have tried to say, Rahab was not really a prostitute. She's an innkeeper. My friends, the word here means nothing but prostitute. You talking about somebody who was in for instant gratification, whether it was the money or whether it was the sex, she had lived her life that whole way. But there came a moment where she heard about this God. All she knew about him basically was he had parted the Red Sea and they'd come through on dry land. She came to this moment where this woman who had lived her life for instant gratification becomes one of the great warriors of faith. Listen here in Hebrews 11. She begins, if you read the genealogies, she is the great-grandmother of David. You go to Matthew chapter 1, this woman we know is the harlot, the prostitute, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm saying to you this morning. If you've been blowing it in this area, you can turn your life around. Because let me say it again. The cause of most of your and my unhappiness, the cause of most of your and I and my failures is sacrificing what you want most for what you want now. Slow down just a moment with me, guys, before you walk out of this place. This is big. This is, goes to the root of a lot of our issues. We go for what we want now, not what we need most. And this morning, if that's where you've been, if you've made some mistakes in your life, if you have if gone after the pleasure of sin, guess what we all have? I, I want to ask you today to lay a marker down in this place. We're about to sing a song in just a moment, and if that's you, and you've royally blown it, why don't you come confess that before this church? You say, what are they going to think if I come and I get honest about this addiction? Or I get honest about how I've been in my marriage? Or I get honest about what I've done at work? Or I get honest about what I did in school? You know what? First of all, we got to be like Moses here, and and we need to fear God more than we fear men. Okay? That's that's the big problem right now is you're too worried about what men would think. The second thing I want to say to you is I know this church. And um, if you're willing to confess today, This church is going to do nothing but embrace you. I don't care what your issue. There will be somebody else here with the same issue that will embrace you and that will help you. But why not today, while you're in a moment when you're backed up enough and you're not in that moment of instant gratification, why don't you make your mind up to live like Moses by faith and go, you know what? I I I can imagine heaven 
I can imagine being in tight community with God's believers. I can imagine walking with God like friends. And it's worth delaying my gratification. He said, buddy, I'm nervous to come down this aisle today. Let me tell you, I know it doesn't sound like instant gratification. And I know it sounds challenging, but here's what I know. Is the Bible says, when we confess our sins to one another, we are healed. And, and yes, you might need to delay getting out these doors for a moment. But you'll receive something that all the instant gratification in the world cannot give you. So while we're here together today, if today's a day that you need to confess something, if today's a day that you need to say, you know what? This is what I want most. I want my heavenly Father's love and respect more than what I'm drawn to now. It's time to go for what you want most. If you need to do that publicly today, why don't you come while we stand together and sing?